Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Ruby Rogues podcast. I'm David Kimura. And today on our panel, we have Eric Berry. I'm back, baby. Oh, and we have Catherine Myers. Hello, hello. And today we have a special guest, Dean Nassery. Did I say your last name right, Dean? You did, yes. Awesome, awesome. I wasn't sure about that, but great. Uh, So tell us a bit about yourself. Cool. I'm a software engineer at a company called VTS, which stands for View the Space. Uh, We're a commercial real estate software platform. Um, We use Ruby on Rails, uh, Postgres, Elasticsearch, and our basic mission is basically to move the commercial real estate sector off of Excel sheets and into a, you know, web and mobile platform. Awesome. Funny story. Uh, My wife was a realtor before we started having kids and she became a stay-at-home mom and she lived in the Excel spreadsheet. So I'm sure that community is very grateful for the work y'all are doing. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, cool. So um, today we're having you on to talk about a a REPL that you have created. Uh, You mind introducing that and telling us a bit about it? Sure. Um, I uh, built a REPL that I call FUR, which stands for Friendly Interactive Ruby. Uh, The name comes from uh, its inspiration, which was FISH, the FISH shell, uh, which I think stands for Friendly Interactive Shell. Um, FUR is basically... uh, aiming to bring some of the features that I got from uh, Fish, such as like auto-completion and suggestion as you type, and basically bring them to a REPL. My goal with Fur was essentially to see if it was possible to bring auto-suggestion and auto-indentation as you type uh, to a Ruby REPL. Um, When you look at something like Pry, which is a fantastic uh, REPL and debugger that I use all the time, um, you'll notice that when you're looking, you're going for suggestions, um, they are given to you when you hit tab. Um, the difference with that infer is that as you type infer, it's actually like going through your history, seeing if it kind of can find something that matches what you've typed, and then actually uh, rendering that partial to the screen as you type. So it's a bit more like interactive, which I thought was an interesting idea. Cool. And does that work with multi-lines as well? uh, Like if you have a method that you're creating, like a three-line method, if you start typing like def method name, would it kind of show the other two lines or is it just a single line auto-suggest? So the the auto-suggest is currently only single line. Um, The multi-line is uh, 
is something I would love to add. It's, it's something that um, I believe uh, PGCLI uh, offers, and I've always thought it was really cool there. I'm kind of obsessed with like command line tools that are interactive and fun and pretty. Um, but yeah, I would love to add that. It does, however, uh, you'll see that like certain um, REPLs, for instance, uh, Ripple, I believe it's called, which is a very uh, bare bones uh, alternative to IRB. And it's, it's a fantastic code base. It was a great uh, resource when I was building this. It is uh, like basically only evaluates one line at a time. Uh, so if you said def, you know, cow, and then you hit enter, it would just evaluate that in error. Um, but fur actually does like pry and IRB as well. It, it will allow you to input multiple lines, um, but you can't auto suggest like an entire block. Yeah. Well, that's so really cool. Uh, is there any performance implications with doing that kind of auto suggest or is it a pretty quick lookup? It's pretty quick. Um, I haven't done any like benchmarks on it, but it's quick uh, enough to the point where I never notice any sort of lag. So that was kind of my heuristic for if, if it feels slow, then I'll do something about it. But for mm -hmm. what it's doing now, it's actually just fine. Cool. I mean, how would you even benchmark something like that? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> question. Uh, yeah. To, you know, when you're working with like the raw input and, and stuff, it, it, it is tricky to like write certain kinds of tests and benchmarks and stuff. So, yeah. What's your favorite way to use your REPL? What's your, what's like your, I'm doing this thing. Uh, I'm going to go in there. I, I use, uh, repls for like everything, even like for like the most basic math. Like I don't usually <laughs> open a calculator. <laughs> I use the REPL. Um, I don't know. I'm just more comfortable that way. Um, anytime, you know, I want to, anytime I'm like, Hey, does Ruby do this thing? Or is this, is this valid syntax? Um, I'll bust open a REPL and, and, try something. Uh, I guess you'd call that, I don't know, is that debugger driven development, but, um, <laughs> REPL driven development, I guess. Yeah. There you go. RDD. So, yeah. Yeah. So are you able to tie this in? So you can essentially replace pry with this, right? So if you're running a, a rails application, you can put a, a binding dot pry or whatever it would be that would fire off a, uh, a fur REPL, right? Uh, that was the intent. However, currently, the binding pry and uh, binding of pry and fur don't work super well together, um, and there's a reason for that, which is basically that pry actually uses just regular input, and fur forces your standard in into to raw terminal drivers, and the difference between like a raw terminal the raw terminal driver is essentially what lets you uh, run code every single time you press a key. You lose a lot of things uh, like that you get for free when you're not using raw input. Um, for instance, like echoing to the screen is now something you have to handle yourself. Um, and for some reason, like the raw input driving driver, it, something is broken when you use uh, Pry, where basically Pry like overwrites it and it doesn't detect those keystrokes. So. It's actually very unfortunate. It's what makes for, I think it's the greatest weakness is that it does not integrate nicely with binding pride. Is there a way to bind directly to that then instead of go through pry? Yeah, I think there, there would be. Um, it's just something I haven't gotten around to implementing yet, but 
it is it is something you uh, that I would love to add. Basically, that breakpoint functionality. Um, it's so interesting that that <laughs> just out of the blue, you're like, I, you know, I think I need this. I need to create this, and <laughs> you create a REPL now. I imagine to me, that's so foreign to think of creating a REPL. Um, how what? How did you approach it? How did you approach that problem? Did you look at how Pry was done, or did you say, "I"? I how how did you approach that problem that you wanted to solve? Um, yeah, it is sort of a random thing, but I I did look at Pry a ton. Um, Pry was extremely helpful when I was basically writing the code for you know parsing the the code that you've typed and determining the indentation level of each line. Pry was a really excellent. Um, source of of knowledge because they've solved that problem already. Um, and similarly, Ripple, which was a, a much more bare bones and straightforward um, uh, implementation of a Ruby Ripple was also uh, very useful. Uh, when I first started the project, I took a stab at it in 2015 after reading um, this book called Ruby Under a Microscope, uh, which is a book by Pat Shaughnessy. It's amazing. It's one uh, of my favorites. Oh my god, it is, yes. it is so great. I, I hope he updates it when like the all the JIT stuff is added to Ruby. I really hope he uh, updates it because it's just a, it's a brilliant sort of walkthrough through to the implementation of MRI. Um, a lot of you know it took me months to to get through it because it's it's a it's a difficult text. But after reading it, I just was so fascinated by you know the Ruby language, and I wanted to to build something that really let me you know, explore, uh, like the Ruby language and, you know, to figure out how to parse it myself, sort of, I'll be honest, it's not the most practical project out there. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a lot of users of it? I don't, I, I have like 250 stars on, on GitHub, which I don't know if that's the only metric I have, uh, based on the rate of like issues being added. I can't, I don't think there's too many users. Um, a couple of people in my office use it and, uh, I use it on my, uh, my machine. Um, so I don't think it, uh, it has the, it's not quite the breakout success that like Pry is, but. So do you think that when, if people use this, they're going to want to use the fish shell? Uh, I hope so because the fish shell is awesome. Um, I don't know if, you know, there's, there's nothing that's sort of pointing to the fish shell, you know, when you use it. Um, but if, if they like those concepts and they find the fish shell, I think it's, it's once you have that like auto suggestion and fish does a ton of awesome things, the auto suggestion is just one of them, but I find it very hard to like not have that anymore. Uh, so I hope it directs people towards the fish shell. Cause the more people that use fish, the more tools get written in the fish script instead of bash. And I don't have to convert them all. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you know, um, embarrassingly enough, I've never heard of Fish Shell before. I had to look it up to see what it was about. It looks pretty cool. I've been a long fan of OMADZSH. Yeah. Um, that's what I've used for the past so many years, uh, and it's done well. Uh, so what are the... I know you did, you're not really affiliated with the Fish Shell, but uh, why would someone switch from like OMADZSH to Fish? So I know OMADZSH is like a... It's like a, a collection of packages for Z shell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so one of the things I, like I said, that like auto suggestion that is like, as you type based on your history, it's going to give you 
you know, these partial completions um, that you actually see in the terminal, uh, which I really like. Um, I also just think the uh, configuration is, is, is much easier. And yeah, I, man, I'm not sure. It's been so long since I regularly used something else, my, my workflow. But it's, <laughs> it, this auto-suggestion stuff is really killer to me. Very cool. Man, I'm I'm very curious now. I've actually known several people who who use fish, and it's like a, it's got a little bit of a cult following. I think. Yeah, totally. So, uh, does the fish, or I'm sorry, does the uh, fur uh, repl have any kind of plugin system that people can write for or write to? No, there's currently uh, no plugin system. But again, it's one of those things that would love to add. Uh, one thing I would like to be, I would like to add colorization, like as you type colorization and to do that, I would like to sort of build a plugin system and then build the colorization functionality with that plugin system. Um, cool. yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I one of those, the, the, uh, perils of open source is the guilt you feel for not, uh, maintaining and adding features to your project. <laughs> There's only so many hours in a day. That's true. Yeah, that's true. How much time do you think this took you to build? Oh, um, so the, if we don't, I, like I said, I started a earlier version in like 2015 and then I canned it and then I rewrote it uh, last year and it was about six months of like two, you know, after work uh, almost every day and a couple you know, total hackathon type weekends where I was just working on it and at the expense of food and sleep. Um, but, uh, it, it was a, fa- it was a fantastic experience, uh, just finish it and see the final products. Very rewarding. Um, I recognize that it's not the most useful thing. Ruby has so many awesome tools that do this job already. Uh, but this thing did that one had that one killer feature that I was really looking for and, uh, it sort of proved to me that it was possible. It was an awesome experiment to do. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. And would you have been able to uh, write a plugin for Pride to do something similar instead of creating a whole separate REPL? Uh, that's a great question. I would love to have done that. And I actually did try. That was my first uh, attempt. Um, but... I could not figure out a way to hook into like the, basically the life cycle of every single key event. Uh, the plugins is, I would love to be proven wrong about this. So if there's any, you know, pry authors or maintainers out there, um, please give me a shout. But as far as I could tell, the pry plug, pry plugin system was only going to let me, you know, run code when I hit enter or tab, um, short of basically rewriting significant chunks to like use raw terminal drivers. I wasn't sure how this would be possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame, but I can definitely see where that's a little hiccup there. So um, basically all your repls and uh, your shell that you use is in a terminal. What kind of terminal do you use? What's your preference? Uh, On my Mac, I use uh, iTerm2. Mm-hmm. Uh, or iTerm three, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. iTerm <laughs> two version three, yes, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Um, on my Linux systems, I am still hunting for the perfect terminal. I've used Terminator 
various flavors of X-Term. Um, I've used a lot. Uh, and for some reason, I just, I, I enjoy I-Term. It gives me the split pane functionality that I need and mostly stays out of my way. Also, command K to clear the screen. You never realize how much you miss that until you have to type clear every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Have you checked out uh, Hyper? I think it's just called Hyper. No, I haven't. I, I've seen the GitHub for it. It looks awesome. I really want to give that its, its fair shake because it looks awesome. Actually, I'm going to add that as a... Yeah, something to look up after this podcast. Yeah, I've played around with Hyper. Uh, Hyper is a, a web-based. Uh, I think it's JavaScript-based or Node, something like that. But it's not a web. Uh, it, it actually might have a web driver behind it, uh, but it a, is a standalone uh, terminal. It's an Electron app. Right. Yeah. It's, right. It's like Atom in that way. Got it. Very interesting. I wonder if that would be easily extendable. Yeah, I I, I wonder. Uh, I have a friend who who tried Hyper for a while. I gotta ask him if he's still using it. Huh. Yeah, I'm a Sublime or sorry, a uh, iTerm three guy. One of the best things about it is the uh, is the fact that you can do those multi windows. So Merb. And all right, that'll have to be my pick. But Merb is a is a must go for uh, any iTerm user. Merb, Merb. I haven't heard of oh, that. Mert. I haven't either. Yeah, what's that? Mert. All right, I'm gonna I'm do my pick early. This is one. Of my <laughs> right. So this is you know it's it's so fun. A uh, developer who's been around a while, you always learn something new, right? Um, and, and you're like things that you don't know to ask because they just they've learned it along the way. And it's just become part of their flow. Well, Mert is part of my workflow now. So anytime I have a Rails project that I have set up, what I want to do is run one single command that will essentially fire off everything that I need. So it'll open up an iTerm window. It'll split it into multiple terminals. It'll CD into the folder. It will fire off all these different commands. So in one terminal, I have uh, Rails running. In another, I have Sidekick running. In another, I have, you know, a web so or Webpacker, whatever I'm running. And another one, I have my ngrok running. And then I have a fifth window that shows this is just where I do my stuff. But it's all, all fires off in one command. And uh, it's it's just a it's it, it's called Mert. Um, it's at uh, GitHub.com slash eggplantio slash Mert, and it like is M I R T. Uh, Mert like like Bert and Ernie. Mert M E R T. Oh, uh, Mert. Yeah. So all you need to do is modify your Mert RC file, and here let me just paste in my. Uh, Mert RC, actually, I don't have it. My computer broke last week, so I'm borrowing my wife's. But anyway, you can kind of see in their examples how to use Mert, and you can say, okay, Mert start foo, and in here it would CD into the foo folder, and then it would create multiple panes on top of each other and to the side of each other that each run a command uh, after it CDs into that folder. It's super duper awesome. When you start a new project, typically you need things like a domain name, hosting, things like that. When I choose hosting, I pick mine for the options it gives. I like to know what I'm getting and set things up just how I like them. This is why for your projects, you should check out Linode. Linode servers feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabyte network, 
and Intel E5 processors. That's all the power you need to run VMs under full control or Docker containers, who doesn't love that, encrypted disks and VPNs. Plus, they have 10 data centers across the world and add-ons like Backups, Node Balancer, and Longview to help you control your server costs. They also offer block storage for your static files, and you can get started with a $20 credit if you use the code RubyRogues2018. That credit is good for four months on their one gigabyte server. That's a lot of time to try them out and see if they're the right fit for you. That code again is RubyRogues2018. Also, if you're interested in working for Linode, they're hiring. Head to linode.com careers to see their available positions. I love that idea. That's awesome. I know it's what like, I'm doing with my afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and you, you can have all of your projects set up. So anywhere, anywhere in your term, anywhere in your terminal, you can just say Mert start, and then whatever project you're running, and then it'll fire up everything. And I, I even have it go down to like, okay, open up my my VS Code here, and open up my browser here after it fires. And it's very config. You know, it's anything you can do at a command line, but it's all automated. Is anyone else as, as like OCD about their pains as I am? Like I, I always need yarn up in the upper left and my rail yep. server in the upper right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> this, this will solve your OCD problem. <laughs> you never so have cool. to do splitting again. Yeah. It's like Foreman, but for uh, terminal windows. That's exactly what it's like is Foreman. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Uh, shout out to Brian Gonzalez. He's been a big, he's a, a guy that I know, a really cool guy. And he's one of the developers of that, the core developer of it. So a uh, shout out to him. He did a great job. Well, that kind of leads us into like another direction a little bit. We are talking about how, um, we are talking about how the fur is, is a tool that we can use to enhance our development. What other tools we're using that like, for example, I'm using Mert. What other tools we're using that actually really drives forward, um, uh, you know, solid development, quick development, like stuff that you can't live without. I have to say, I really like uh, using RubyMine for for while I'm coding. I, the command click through is killer for me, and I know it's like huge and and it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff going on, uh, and and sometimes can be a little slow, <laughs> but but honestly, it it makes it enjoyable for me yeah i just bought an imac pro so i can use ruby mine yeah you have to have a <laughs> machine it's so true <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've used i've gone back and forth i love ruby mine and if you're learning a new language it is the right way to go right for example if you're if you're uh starting out in python or what or php using using uh, their php charm is a great way to go because of all the auto completions, the navigation help, and and also the refactoring, the refactoring side that they have is incredible. Yeah. However, every single time I've gone down that road, it's been a little bit tricky, and I end up backing out because it is such a resource hog. It um, is. It it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I I have also tried RubyMine. A couple of folks at my uh, FPTS swear by it. Um, I think that that feature that basically allows you to jump to the source of a definition of a method call, even if it's not in your app, uh, mm -hmm. that after building, uh, after building for like, I had such an appreciation for that feature. The folks that building Ruby mine must be, uh, you know, they must have an uh, encyclopedic knowledge of Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Generally though, I do agree. Like the Ruby mine as cool as the features are. I just, I optimize for like quick text editing. So my 
And that's probably in the long run, like not the sanest way to develop, but it's the thing that feels the best to me, I guess, like just, you know, ergonomically. So I have like tried various text editors, but I can just never really escape uh, Vim uh, and uh, my VimRC file, which has grown quite long. Although I, I'm using NeoVim now, um, which I like a lot. Uh, and uh, FZF and ACK, which make searching pretty quick. What does NeoVim provide that uh, you can't get with regular Vim? Uh, I think the biggest difference that I, I that I found is that this uh, tool that you can use with NeoVim FCF, it actually allows you to like search for a file without like in a sub pane without blocking the main pane. If that makes sense, um, I'm not sure the best way to describe it, but basically you can search for something and then switch to another window without like it freezing and waiting for that search to finish, uh, which I think is really cool. Um, it's also, it's just, it's built for, it's not targeting all the legacy systems that Vim is sort of passed to the target. And uh, as a result, it's, it's, I think it's just a better, uh, smoother, faster kind of feeling thing. <laughs> Yeah, I use Vim every now and then when I have to. <laughs> um, you know, I have a iPad, so every now and then I find my, I find myself in a pinch where I need to jump on a hotspot and do some quick coding. So uh, I use Blink, which is just a shell emulator for a shell emulator iOS app, and I'll VPN into my home network, which I have a server. Uh, that I use for remote coding. And I can make all my code changes there and stuff. But in order to do that, I don't have a GUI that I can just easily tap into. So I have to use Vim. So I learned Vim specifically for that purpose. And, you know, I use it every now and then, uh, not too often, but VS Code is definitely my editor choice, which I'm almost kind of ashamed to admit that I'm using a Microsoft uh, uh, product there. But, you know, it's... It really is one of the best editors I've used. It's not slow and clunky, clunky like Atom. And the extension packages on it are pretty amazing and very well supported for the Ruby community with uh, a Ruby, uh, Ruby uh, markup style suggestion thing. And also just the Git Lens and Git History, Git Blame uh, plugins that they have for it really makes it easy to figure out when was this code last touched, who touched it, and what was the changes uh, in the past. So uh, it's been really awesome, and uh, the go-to definitions have been really awesome. I could just right-click on a method that I'm using within one file, say go to definition, it'll pop me over to the other file. I guess that's kind of like your um, command click and RubyMine, Catherine. Yeah, exactly. And we we all in RubyMine, there's also an, an git annotate, git blame type of thing, which mm -hmm. is so helpful when you're thinking, okay, who in my company can code review this? Oh, well, who last worked on this? Yeah. That's great. And if you guys haven't tried it out, uh, I assume that we all do a bit of Rails development, except for Eric, because he's a sellout. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I use uh, Puma Dev a lot. That's like my primary way of spinning up a Rails application on my development environment. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's basically a replacement for PAL. If you use PAL in the past, 
Uh, it gives you a URL at the top that, you know, in your browser that points to your local dev environment. So you're able to quickly spin up and run your applications without having to do a rail start or anything like that. It gives you WebSocket. Uh, uh, it allows WebSockets and stuff. So it works natively with that as well as HTTPS support and subdomains. Interesting. So is that like a, it's like a fork of the Puma web server or? No, uh, it's actually built by Puma. Okay. Uh, it's just a tool that they created called Puma-Dev. Oh, interesting. And uh, I'm guessing it requires that you're you're running Puma locally also, or if you're using like Thin or Unicorn, would you be okay to use I don't, it? I don't know. Okay. Um, that's a good question. I've never, I, I don't use those, so I really don't know. Or at yeah. least not anymore. Yeah. No, yeah, actually, I, um, I just, sorry, side tangent, but... Uh, I got off. I did about like a two-week dive into to trying to migrate us off of Unicorn uh, to Puma in production. Um, unfortunately, we actually do have some issues of thread safety that we're uh, we're actually trying to like wrap our minds around still. Um, so we haven't had much luck yet with Puma, which is really unfortunate. I know it's the recommended web server at this point. Yeah, but Unicorn's pretty solid too. It um, is. It is. I usually try to just uh, stay with whatever the Rails core suggests. Not that I'm scared to deviate, but basically I find that my application is going to have better long-term support the less I deviate from what Rails is doing itself. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that was our primary motivator for switching to, uh, to Puma off Unicorn. We haven't seen like a ton of problems with Unicorn. We were hoping for some memory use improvements, uh, and also the fact that it's, like you said, you know, supported and built into Rails at this point. Um, it's also Heroku's recommended web server. I think Unicorn is susceptible to something called a, uh, a slow client denial of service attack, which I don't fully understand. So hmm. it seems to be recommended. Um, but we're, you know, our project, we started the project on Rails 3, so we've just got we we were using thin for dev and unicorn when that was the recommended server and uh yeah it's just one of those pieces of debt that's not a huge deal but something we'd love to fix yeah yeah i had always been a fan of before i started switching to puma on my prod environment using passenger i think passenger has always been a super easy and simple way to spin up a new application service yeah, I've never tried that server actually. I was uh I'm I'm proud to be one of the very first passenger uh donors. <laughs> I think I mentioned this before, but I like to brag. Um <laughs> the uh passenger came out back in 2008, I believe. Um and it was such a godsend when it came out because before that we were using Mongrel and Launching a server and keeping a server up and live just was a horrible experience. And once Pasture came out, it was pretty amazing. So, yeah, kudos to those guys. Still being used quite heavily, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we use it at work still for a lot of applications. So I know Drift and Ruby and other sites that I host, I'm just using straight Puma um, and just forwarding through Nginx proxies to the application service. Right. Passenger was definitely the easiest uh, to to configure, I believe. 
you just tie right into Apache and it was very, very simple and handled everything yeah. for you. All right. Well, I don't know how much we can really talk about a REPL. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Uh, it was really interesting to hear about. Uh, I'm excited to dive into it a bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, and I did want to ask one thing. You know, it's 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 a big deal to go off and decide to do a side project like this. Um, what would you say you learned from it the most? And what would you say made it most, most worthwhile? Uh, I think I, I did learn a lot about just how to like structure a, a project of this type without sort of going crazy. Um, I, I was really fortunate. Uh, Sandy Metz was doing like a seminar at our, our company, um, like a three day, uh, basically like how to write good code seminar. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and I was able to like bounce some of the ideas for like code structure, uh, uh, offer and, and, and just like designing an application that was not a web application, mm. um, was a really interesting, uh, pra- ex- experience for me. Um, but more generally I, I learned just like a lot of times I, I set up the goal to just like finish this cause I'm a serial project starter and I, I rarely finish things. Um, and a lot of times like my motivation to work on the project wasn't there. Um, and I had to push through it, you know, it was, it was like a labor. Um, so one thing I learned is like finishing a project is it will put you to like, you know, your, your motivation to the test. Um, cause as interesting as the project is like, there's going to be times where you're just like, oh, I don't want to work on this right now. So, but I'm glad I pushed through and, and built something. Well, we're and glad you did too. Yeah. Software's never finished, right? That's true. <laughs> I got to go implement that plugin system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We always just call it version one. Yeah. So. It's, like a, it's like a garden that constantly needs tending. Right. Very yeah. true. As Sarah May says, it's a place we live in. Yes. So don't be a hoarder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that talk. We're talking about Sarah May's livable code talk. Uh, I've, I've never seen it. Oh, it's great. I have to check it out. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to add? Uh, I think I'm all right. Yeah, yeah me too. All right. Uh, Dean, if people want to get a hold of you or see what you're doing, how can they reach out to you? Uh, I'm on Twitter as at Dean Nasseri. My last name is N-A-S-S-E-R-I. Um, uh, so you can tweet at me there. I don't use Twitter too much. My blog is, uh, Nasseri.io spelled the same way. Um, and yeah, that's probably the best way to, you know, find me. Um, I'm trying to write more this year. It's one of my goals. So definitely look, look to the blog for upcoming interesting stuff. I think it's interesting. Cool. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to picks? Sure. All right. Uh, Catherine, what are your picks? For you, the listeners of Ruby Rogues, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20. And it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, 
Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, uh, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. All right. So my picks are motivated by FOMO. This week, <laughs> fear of missing out. Um, there are a couple of conferences that I can't make, but I wish I could. Um, and one has a couple of speakers that y'all might know. Uh, it's Ruby Hack and SLC. And our amazing Eric Berry is speaking there as well as Chuck. Uh, so I'm super excited about hearing those videos and watching those videos later since I can't make it. Um, also, I'm going to keep an eye out for videos from Codeland. And Codeland is produced by Code Newbie, which is run by Saran Yitbarek, who used to be a panel on Ruby Ro- panelist on Ruby Rogues. So I'm so excited about watching videos from those two conferences and really wish I could be there, but I can't miss my brother's wedding. <laughs> I think that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> And Eric? Uh, Yeah, aside from the one I mentioned earlier, I got a couple. Uh, So my wife recently had surgery, and she, uh, after the surgery, she had to go back. Uh, She had major blood issues, complications anyway. She had to take an ambulance, ER visit, four days in the hospital. And so my pick, after everything's said and done, is the uh, Utah uh, hospitals and the Utah medical system. Um, they, they really took care of things. She's doing great now. And so I, I'm just very impressed, very lucky to live where we, where we do. And my second one, as, as you guys know, Chuck's not with us today. And unfortunately he lost his father, which is a a great loss, a great man. Um, so my second pick is actually our esteemed leader, Chuck. Um, he has been, uh, for better or for worse, the guy will just never quit. And uh, I love the the determination that he has to just continue to provide value to the community. And so, Chuck, we miss you today. Love you, bro. And uh, you're my pick. All right. And I'll jump in with a couple of picks. I picked this last week as well. And I'm going to pick it this week because it has been my recent obsession. And that is the Marvel Strike Force iOS game. I have been playing this every single day. and It's a lot of fun. Uh, my second pick is um, from a little story that happened this morning, and it is uh, childproofing your house because uh, my son this morning woke up. He's three years old. He apparently went into our bedroom after we had already gotten up and left. He found a pair of scissors and started cutting up our clothes. He cut up our bed sheets and just went nuts in our room. So, um yeah, so we definitely need to get some child safety doorknob things for our doors to try to keep him out, and hopefully it will. But given his recent path of destruction, he might just tear down the door. Oh, best of luck yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Dean, your picks? Cool. Um, my pick is going to be a blog I found recently called Red Blob Games. Um, it's from a gentleman named Amit Patel, and it basically explains... Um, sort of the computer, various computer science topics in uh, games development, like pathfinding and uh, procedural terrain generation. 
um, with these uh, beautiful interactive demonstrations and really amazing uh, uh, blogs that they, they're just so informative. Um, so I would recommend go ch that, check that out, even if you're not a game developer, because it's just a great way to like present a blog. Um, yeah. And what was that called again? That's redblobgames.com. Cool. All right. Well, we appreciate having you on and we'll talk with you all later. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.